Let us pray. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Amen. You know what time it is, Paul declares. It is the moment for you to wake from sleep. Keep awake, Jesus says, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Alertness and readiness, these are the qualities we're called to put into practice on this first Sunday of Advent. A modern proverb warns that being overly prepared can complicate our lives. The adage goes, a person with one watch always knows what time it is. A person with two watches can never be sure. This saying has been attributed to Mark Twain and to Albert Einstein, among others. Whoever said it has captured a truth about the way life can feel for people of faith, especially on this Sunday when our sense of time is stretched more than usual. For we wear two watches, as it were, one that tracks time according to our human constructed calendar, and one that reminds us that we live in the sacred rhythms of God's time. Each year it can seem as if our world is more and more in sync with human measured time than with time as we experience it with God. The worship hour is a mysterious blending of past, present, and future. We look back to the Jesus of history. We look around as witnesses to the lively presence of Christ today. And we look ahead for the promised reign of God to be fulfilled. Caring about these shifting boundaries of time might seem pointless to those who need only one watch and a 12-month calendar to get their bearings. But if we can't tap into sacred time, how can we make sense of our limited life stories as woven into the limitless story of God? Beyond the world's familiar timetable, the church offers a gift, a seven-season calendar to navigate life with God, marked by a new year that begins today. One writer appreciates this as a calendar that draws our consciousness to a world uninhabited by efficiency. I'm grateful I can enter into the inefficient setting where God's presence and purposes are revealed at God's pace. Advent is a short season that makes long demands, challenging our perceptions of reality. Advent calls us to imagine living in a world that Jesus has not yet come into, and in a world where the risen Christ is at work, and, as today's readings highlight, in a world to which Jesus will return as Savior and Judge. Even for those who wear multiple watches, that's a lot to process. Today is the one Sunday when Christians across various traditions anticipate the meaning of Emmanuel, God with us, not by looking back to the birth of Jesus, but by looking forward to the return of the risen Christ who will come again 
to see how we're doing as stewards of creation and to bring God's plan to completion. Thinking about whether, how, and when Jesus will return can seem a futile exercise, easy to dismiss. Yes, in the creeds and in our Eucharist, we affirm that Christ has died, is risen, and will come again. But if we believe that last part, what do we do about it now? Since Christ is among us as a risen reality, does Jesus need to come again? Fortunately, the Episcopal Church does not try to answer the how and when of Christ's return, leaving us room to interpret this promise as the Spirit guides us. My faith has never hinged on the prospect of a second coming. It took years for me to awaken to the presence of Jesus as my companion in the here and now. It's even more of a challenge today for me to imagine the prospect of a returning Christ. This may be because I'm a modern person living mostly on human time. It was easier for our, for our ancestors in the faith to anticipate Christ's return because for them, God's time and human time are one. These first century siblings are feeling deep anxiety and fading hope. They've given their hearts to the Jesus movement while living in an empire that is hostile to its message. They strive to love God and neighbor while trapped in an economic system that makes life tenuous. Some of the oldest among them might have known Jesus. They got a glimpse of God's promised kingdom during his earthly ministry, and now yearn to see it realized. They believe a day of judgment is near. The enemies of God will be called to account, and a returning Christ will usher in a whole new way of being. But when? The corrupt powers opposed to God seem to be getting stronger. How can the faithful hold on when there is no sign of Christ's return? It may be hard for us to anticipate God's kingdom with anything approaching the urgency they feel. And the words addressed to them in today's readings are hard to relate to. Paul says that Christ's coming is imminent. The faithful need to wake up and join God's forces of light in the new world being born. Matthew's community, a generation later, probably wonders if Paul got it wrong. By this point in history, the Jerusalem temple had been destroyed. In apocalyptic language that can seem off-putting to us, Matthew recalls Jesus' warning that his return will be like that of a night intruder or a sudden raging flood, and that not everyone will be included in the new realm. Could this message have been reassuring to people whose future felt precarious? Apparently, yes. Despite the doubts and hardships that weighed on our ancestors, Despite their disappointment that Christ's return has been stalled, they kept the faith. Christianity took root and spread and draws us together now.
Today, we know what time it is with the help of computer-programmed clocks. We have knowledge, resources, and consumer comforts that would be unimaginable to ancient people. And yet, many of us feel on edge. Can we keep the faith despite the precariousness of our world where mass shootings can erupt anywhere, where climate change threatens creation, where dictators invade neighboring countries, where a virus can turn into a deadly pandemic, and where racial and economic injustice continue to wound. Our young people struggle with questions of identity and purpose. Those who are older fear vulnerability and isolation. Those in the middle seek to do satisfying work and care for loved ones while multitasking to the max. Yes, despite our comparative good fortune, we too have reason to worry and to wonder whether God has our backs, whether Jesus is coming to help us finish the project he started. Jesus knows that the timing and nature of God's activity can be elusive. Indeed, Jesus says he isn't sure when his return will take place. And yet our lives of faith go on, just as our ancestors did. In the familiar patterns of life and work, we encounter both beauty and brokenness every day. When we are awake to God's call to spread the beauty and mend the brokenness, Jesus is present, perhaps not descending from a fiery cloud, but meeting us in ways and among people we can be slow to recognize. Some are here among us and in the places where we minister. In Paul's message today are two concepts that offer us hope and strength as we strive to live as disciples. The first is the enormously welcome word, us. Paul addresses his listeners not only as individuals, but as a group. Let us throw off the works of darkness. Let us walk as in the day. He knows that those in the Jesus movement have a potential as a body of believers to make God's new day a reality. It's not all just up to you or to me, but to us. And we need Christ to return, lest we think it's only about us. Second, for Paul, we not only need to wake up, but we also need to get dressed. Reminding his community of the garments they wore at baptism, he tells them to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism has made them new people in God's new world. Paul understands that if we live our lives as people who belong to Jesus, we can bear burdens and cross boundaries that would otherwise overwhelm us. We see regular evidence of this here in our ministries of justice, pastoral care, and hospitality. When we can put on Christ, 
something of God's compassion and unconditional love becomes recognizable to others through us. And human time and God's time become one, even for a moment. Now, I confess that when I go to the closet every morning to get dressed, I don't always feel sufficiently loving, generous, forgiving, or patient to put on the garment of Christ-likeness for the day. But I'm grateful to remember that in our baptismal covenant, we promise to follow Jesus together and with God's help. Together, we recognize the always arriving Jesus and dress ourselves in his likeness to be the hope of the world. Happy New Year. Amen.